On this episode of the podcast, I rank the worst moves surrounding Super Bowl MVPs. Ooh. All right. I'm interested. It's a little vague, a little cryptic. Uh-huh. Could mean anything. You'll have to sell me on it for sure. I'll do a little bit of an explanation later on. But for now, recline that sofa and loosen that tie, because this is Mismanaged. Shazam. Welcome to Mismanaged, a weekly podcast where we kick back and criticize the failings of paid sports professionals while also offering them foolproof solutions to all their management woes. I'm Austin Egan. I'm Josh Sleazy. And I'm Nathaniel Westover. Let's get into it. This week, we are back on schedule and talking about the NFL. Quite a few teams make the list here for trigger warnings, so let the episode be a general warning to everyone. <laughs> if you've won a Super Bowl, warning. Yeah, it's mostly a warning about the dangers of recency bias, so... What have you done for me lately? No so one... If you have a bad GM right now, you should just, you know, be afraid. Yeah, yeah, definitely If you have bad. a questionable GM, but your team is moderately su- successful... Also be afraid. Be afraid. In general, you should be afraid. <laughs> because the NFL is it's a October. fickle, fickle league. Lots of parody. But this week, I researched the careers of every former Super Bowl MVP and discovered that, unsurprisingly, several of them were able to leverage their accomplishments into fairly lucrative deals with new teams. Shockingly enough, these new deals have mixed results, but they are mostly bad. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Oh, you know me over here, peak of my career? Pay me like I'm going to play like that for Forever. always. Okay, <laughs> sounds like a plan. I had one really, really good day. Yeah. Some of these, it's astounding. They do have one good day, and people are like, Cash. take all my money. Sometimes that's all you need. In this episode, I will rank these moves from least awful to most awful. They're all still bad. They're all still... Well, there's one that's actually not really bad, but it is the only one... There are eight scenarios. Mm-hmm. So I'll okay. lay out the parameters of it, um, but... And you'll rank them on the Egan scale of awfulness? The Egan scale of awfulness. All right, perfect. I don't know that I like having my name attached to that, <laughs> but... It we'll, makes you sound awful. Exactly. So. But it has a nice ring it to does. it. I think it's all those starting vowels. <laughs> First, a couple of ground rules. Only players that left their team immediately after winning Super Bowl MVP or after one additional season were considered for this ranking. I feel like anything farther out, then you're not really riding the um, recency bias. Yeah. 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 So I'm giving it an extra season buffer. Or immediately after the Super Bowl. Exactly. <laughs> Additionally, both free agency signings and trades will be considered. Sure. Uh, With that said, here are the eight moves that meet that criteria. Number eight, linebacker Malcolm Smith, Super Bowl 48 MVP. Mm -hmm. This entry on the list is probably the only example of a good decision, which is necessary because it will take some pressure off the Raiders later on. Hey, you win some, you lose. Oh, you lose a couple (laughs) on this list. Malcolm Smith was the Seattle Seahawks' seventh-round selection in 2011. He made the team as the backup weak-side linebacker behind K.J. Wright. Smith played 28 games in his first two seasons, making occasional starts for injured players, but didn't accumulate any noteworthy stats. In 2013, Smith was elevated to starting weak-side linebacker, but was eventually replaced mid-season. However, he was able to return to the starting rotation late in the year when K.J. Wright fractured his foot. 
good luck for him. Injuries happen. Injuries happen. That's why you have backups. Smith helped the Seahawks run through the playoffs on their way to facing Peyton Manning's Broncos in the Super Bowl. Smith was blessed by God and was able to record <laughs> 10 tackles, a pass deflection, a fumble recovery, and a 69-yard pick six, becoming one of the few defensive players to win Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, if I remember that, that Super, Bowl, it was, Super Bowl. Yeah, it was pretty ugly. So. Yeah, the Broncos' <laughs> first offensive drive, they hiked it over Peyton's head. Yeah, classic. It was disgusting. <laughs> yep. They were nervous. They were on the big stage. Oh, yeah. Huge stage. <laughs> and this guy, who's pretty much a backup. Career yeah, backup. Had a career game. Mm-hmm. Like a game that all-time starters would hope to oh, have. Yeah. Every sort of turnover, he had it. Uh, the next year, Smith was relegated back to his bench role and made a minimal impact. Following that 2014 season, the Oakland Raiders signed Smith to a two-year, $7 million contract. Smith became an immediate starter for the Raiders and posted career highs in every statistical category that a defensive player can have. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next year, he took a step back, but was still a solid performer. Unfortunately, his play never widened any eyes, as his career highs still weren't astounding. No, no. Um, they were the average. Yep. They were pretty average. Um... So the Raiders let him walk after his contract ended. Currently a member of the Cleveland Browns, Smith has played for five different teams since winning the Super Bowl MVP. Oh. So it's like, eh. Pretty average. It's pretty average. It's not a bad move. He wasn't and detrimental to the team. Yeah, exactly. and they didn't sign him to like six years and a bajillion dollars. Exactly. It's it was a very modest contract. Yeah. Yeah. Two years, seven million dollars. Seven, yeah. Not bad. Number seven, fullback, Larry Sanka. Yes. Super Bowl Eight MVP. Heck yeah. It's been a while since we've had a fullback Super Bowl MVP. I know. It's a wall. <laughs> I feel like we've like needs... had a fullback. Actually, I'm pretty sure he's the only fullback you know that's what? won Super Bowl MVP. There are a few running sense. backs that they he because he was like technically a running back in college and drafted as a running back, but his whole career he played fullback. Full sure. Uh, Larry Sanka was the number one overall pick in the 1968 AFL draft by the Miami Dolphins. Good so pick. this is pre-merger. Yep. Um, his first contract was three years with an average annual salary of $25,000 mm-hmm. with a $34,000 signing bonus and a brand new car. Aww. Woo! <laughs> you get to pick the like new model? car. I couldn't find that. I would hope so. <laughs> just right. give them. Here's my old Chevy. Honestly, it didn't even say brand new. <laughs> I would just imagine, imagine that they got him a new car. No, no, they just found a junker out of that <laughs> With your signing bonus, you go to this real fixer-upper. It's like, ah, I'm not sure I want to sign with you because there's this other legal for You can have my car. Please, <laughs> please, sign with me. Um, but, yeah, so his salary year one was 20000 then 25000 then 30000 So nice. just nice. average it out for you. Sanka had a tough start as he was knocked unconscious in his fifth game against Buffalo. Happens. Ah, he was mafia. They'll hit you hard. (laughs) He was diagnosed with a concussion and had to spend two days in the hospital. Three weeks later, he was back on the field in San Diego, where he suffered another concussion, a ruptured eardrum, and a broken nose. Wow. Did they They not have face masks? Leather Maybe helmet. not, actually. <laughs> or past leather helmets. I don't know we have face oh, masks. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else was past leather helmets. <laughs> yeah, he was not this guy tried and true. He didn't want to wear it. Uh-uh. <laughs> Relic of the past. <laughs> Despite concerns that he might never play again, Sanka returned <laughs> to the team, and starting in his third season, he didn't miss a game for five consecutive seasons. Okay. He also led the Dolphins in rushing over those five seasons. He started wearing a helmet. 
Makes yeah. sense. Well, they made him. <laughs> they, they the Dodgers like, I cannot emphasize this enough. You will have permanent brain damage. You will die on the field if you like, don't put a helmet on. You will already have permanent brain damage, <laughs> but it. you will die on the field. <laughs> All right, I'm so <laughs> Sanka's career-high 1,117 rushing yards helped push the Dolphins to become the first undefeated team in NFL history in 1972. Heck yeah. Sanka earned Pro Bowl honors from 1970 to 1974 and was a key part of the Don Shula Dolphins dynasty. Uh, Don Shula, there was a fun tidbit in here with Larry Sanka. Actually, had to teach Larry Sanka how to run because uh-huh. um, all through college and his first couple years of the pros, Don Sh- uh, Larry Sanka would hold the ball and just dive his head down and just run oh. head down, sprinting, oh. a la the concussions. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Don Shula taught him how, what a stiff arm was. Sure, sure. Also, you know, to look up and see where people are. Keep and your eyes up. See the running lanes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. defenders. <laughs> no, no, every play for Sanko was halfback dive. Yeah, he broke his nose, like, every a week. few dozen times. It sounds yeah. like he face-planted quite often. Yeah, into other people's homes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the team made the Super Bowl three years in a row from 1971 to 1973. Technically, the Super Bowl years were 72 to 74, sure. but it was those seasons. Yeah, right. Uh, the Dolphins won the latter two Super Bowls. They got blown out in the first one to the Cowboys. Uh, happens. Yeah, it goes. In 1973, Sanka was voted Super Athlete of the Year <laughs> by the Professional Football Writers Association. That sounds like a fake award. <laughs> <laughs> like athlete of the Year, guys. So much stuff in this guy's like bio uh-huh. is wild. Yep. Uh, in 1971, in the offseason, he starred in and produced an off-Broadway musical called Sanka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh! It was critically acclaimed. Yes! But never got commercial success because, one, he had to stop because the NFL said no. Season started and they said no, no. And also they didn't have funding for it, Mm -hmm. really. But he got put up for um, whatever the the off-Broadway version oh. of the Tonys is mm-hmm. um, at that time for Best Actor, but he lost. Oh. Ah. Wild time. It was all political. All, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, is a Miami man up in New York. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you going to do? That, it was way off Broadway. That boy could sing, though. <laughs> I, Pipes of gold. I really want to learn more about it at some point. I really want to find a bootleg production. Of <laughs> Sonka and the Chocolate Just find Factory. Script. We'll put it on. It also feels like they are running into what well, has to be a oh, bunch of for sure. rights issues. Sanko. <laughs> <laughs> it's a parody, I promise. Oh, but anyways, 73, Sanko won Super Athlete of the Year, Super Real Award. Yep, we <laughs> Super Real Award, I promise. Put it in his trophy case. And later on that year, he uh, led the Dolphins to a second consecutive Super Bowl title and earned game MVP honors for his 33 rushes for 145 yards and two touchdowns. Um which was a Super Bowl record at the time, the 145 yards rushing. Sure. Uh-huh. This very early Super Bowl eight. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Everything was right. Like every couple Super Bowls, a new record was yeah. made or broken. So yeah, Pretty much. After the 73-74 season, Sanka decided to chase the money and made himself eligible for the WFL, that's World Football League, mm-hmm. their draft. Sanka was selected second overall by the Toronto Northmen, and signed a fully guaranteed three-year contract of $1.4 million. Good name, good contract. Great contract, great name. It's so much more than what When you think about the fact uh-huh. that he started off with a three-year, like, $25,000-year yep. contract. And now he's making one so point, much money. Yeah, so much money. Like, $500,000 a year. Yep. 
Unfortunately, Toronto didn't make the cut for the final approved WFL teams, and Sokka became a member of the Memphis Southmen. Oh, what less good name. <laughs> <laughs> Coached by John McVay, grandfather of the Rams head coach Sean McVay. I've heard of him. In the WFL's single season, he ran 99 times for 421 yards and a single touchdown. After the WFL folded, Sokka, along with Coach McVay, joined the New York Giants. Sokka signed a three-year deal for $2 million. Cool. So people were just yeah. throwing, throwing money, money at him. Take it. Boy knows how to run now. <laughs> Not if the WFL looks <laughs> like it. <laughs> Unfortunately for Giants fans, Sokka tore ligaments in his knee early in his first season with the franchise. Ooh. And just general didn't have a lot of great play. Don't need these. Two years later, Sokka was directly involved with one of the cringiest moments in Giants history. The Giants were up 17-12 to against the Eagles with the ball and 31 seconds on the clock. The Eagles had no timeouts, and the game was won. Except, instead of calling for victory formation, Giants offensive coordinator Bob Gibson called for a run up the middle with Sokka. Yep. After a botched snap and handoff by quarterback Joe Pizacic and Sokka, uh, the Eagles scooped up the ball and scored a game-winning touchdown to seal the miracle at the Meadowlands number one and encapsulate what it's like to be a Giants fan. Sorry, yeah. guys. Yeah. So, other league, Giants paid this man a lot of money, and it turned Ooh, out horribly. Yep. Number six, we're going over to Westover because hey. we are talking about wide receiver Santonio Holmes. He's a god. Super Bowl 43 MVP. One of the best Super Bowls. Yes. Yeah, truly iconic. Santonio Holmes was the first round selection for the defending Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers in 2006. Holmes struggled with his special teams duties early in his rookie season, fumbling the ball quite a few times, but he shined as a receiver. He only started 4 of 16 games, but he was still able to haul in 49 catches for 824 yards and two touchdowns. Holmes broke out in 2007, leading the Steelers in receiving and becoming one of the premier deep threats in the NFL. He brought in 52 receptions for 942 yards, a career-high 18.1 yards per catch that also led the league. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. No, it's insane. And eight touchdowns. Deep ball for days. In 2008, Holmes took a slight step back in all statistical categories and began to cause some team drama when head coach Mike Tomlin benched him for a misdemeanor possession of marijuana. Yep. If it's the Steelers, there's going to be some, some, some drama. Yeah. I mean, you guys draft great receivers, but it's some, some chaos they, or something. Oh, I mean, Plexico Burris was... Plexico Burris was actually the last first-round wide receiver pick you had before Santonio Holmes. Yep. Um, They've just got a lot of personality. It's actually funny about this. I was reading about Tomlin's like benching of um, Santonio Holmes, and actually a lot of people in the league were mad mm-hmm. because it didn't violate the NFL Players Association sure. like contract they had made no. with the NFL. Yeah. Um, it's just so a team thing. It, just, it was just it was yeah, a team thing. Yeah, no. which that's how the Steelers operate. You yeah. want to button it up, which fair enough, it works for them. Um, Tomlin would bench Holmes again later in the season for another issue. Uh, despite these setbacks, Holmes helped secure the Steelers' record sixth Super Bowl by bringing in nine receptions for 131 yards and a touchdown. What's even more amazing about those stats is that Holmes had four receptions for 73 yards and, a, and his lone touchdown on the final game-winning drive. So basically, they need to win, and it's like, Santonio Holmes, take it's it into time. your hands. He's down there somewhere. For his efforts, Holmes became the sixth-ride receiver to win Super Bowl MVP honors. 
In 2009, Holmes truly broke out and had his best statistical season, amassing 79 catches for 1,248 yards and five touchdowns. To the surprise of many around the league, the Steelers traded Holmes after this season to the New York Jets because of his repeated legal issues. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. 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 They don't care. Nope. Uh, most <laughs> recently, he had thrown a glass at a woman in an Orlando nightclub and then proceeded to intimidate her to prevent her from pressing charges. Cool, cool, <clears throat> cool guy. Uh, yep, yep, yep. The Steelers got a fifth-round pick in return, which they traded to the Cardinals for a sixth and cornerback Bryant McFadden. Uh, and then that six-rounder became wide receiver Antonio Brown. So I think the Steelers are feeling pretty all right about their life choices. Worked out. Uh, Holmes was never able to find his footing with the Jets. Before the trade, the NFL announced Holmes would be suspended for the first four games of the 2010 season for violating the league's substance abuse policy. Jets traded for him anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holmes played relatively well in his first season, grabbing 52 receptions for 746 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, he even helped to take the Jets to the AFC Championship game, but would ultimately lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But if it's any consolation, they would end up losing to the Packers. Ah. So, Packers. Joke's on you. Um, Jets would have lost, too. <laughs> For sure. That offseason, the Jets would give Holmes a five-year contract for $50 million with $24 million guaranteed. The Jets also made Holmes a captain. Holmes posted career lows in many categories, <laughs> only bringing in 51 receptions, second worst of his career, for 654 yards, worst of his career, mm-hmm. and eight touchdowns, which actually was like the best of his career. <laughs> but hey, he was a really good locker room guy. That captain, he really took that captaincy seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, except for his season, season was marred oh. in the last week. Oh no! Because in the last week, the Jets uh, were eight and seven and needed a win against the Miami Dolphins to keep their playoff hopes alive. Sure. Going into the fourth quarter, the Jets were up ten to six. Holmes appeared to get into an altercation with the Jets' O lineman Wayne Hunter, so his own team, yep. in the huddle. Yeah. Uh, the ensuing confrontation resulted in Holmes being benched for the rest of the game. Yep. That makes sense. With his top target off the field, Mark Sanchez proceeded to throw two fourth-quarter interceptions, and the Dolphins won the game 19-17. to Gross. Because their two best wide receivers... It's funny, it's just the old Steelers. Yeah. The two best wide receivers for the Jets at this time were 34-year-old Plexico Burris. Uh-huh. Still and, recovering uh, from his bullet wound. Yeah, and Santonio Holmes. Perfect. Um... The next season, Holmes only played three full games before a foot injury ended his season in week four. Holmes continued to nurse his injury into the 2013 preseason, and he ended up only playing 11 games with 23 receptions for 456 yards and one touchdown. The Jets cut him after that season. Moving on to number five, wide receiver slash kick returner Desmond Howard, Super Bowl 31 MVP. Desmond Howard was the first-round draft choice for the Washington Redskins in the 1992 NFL Draft. Howard was an all-time college player at the University of Michigan and is still iconic for his Heisman touchdown pose against Ohio State in 1991. Howard was drafted as a wide receiver but served primarily as return specialist for Washington in his first two years. Entering his third season, Washington took him off the return team and made him a full-time receiver. There, Howard only totaled 40 receptions on 103 targets for 727 yards and five touchdowns. So you caught like 40% of the yeah. ball thrown his way? 38. Not very yeah. good. Whoa! No, it's rough out there. He did not do well. 
In 95, Howard was selected by the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL's expansion draft. There he continued his work as receiver, but was primarily a return man. In his lone season with Jacksonville, Howard only caught 26 passes for 276 yards and a touchdown. Even as a returner, he only averaged 10.3 yards per punt return and 17.8 yards per kick return. Oh! Yeah, so, ni- neither outstanding. Pretty pedestrian. Howard would spend the 1996 season as a member of the Green Bay Packers. Here, Howard, Howard flourished. The Packers took away Howard's receiving responsibilities almost entirely and had him focus on returning. Howard returned 58 punts for 875 yards and three touchdowns, including a 92-yard punt return touchdown. He also returned 22 kickoffs for 460 yards. But most importantly, he helped secure the Packers' win against the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. The Packers were up 27-14 when Drew Bledsoe led the Pats down the field to bring the game within six late in the third quarter. The Patriots had momentum and launched the ensuing kickoff to the one-yard line. It was then that Desmond Howard fielded the kick and returned it 99 yards for the touchdown, effectively dashing the Patriots' last hope. Howard won Super Bowl MVP for that play. Proud of him. Mm. One play. (laughs) One play. All it takes. After the season, Howard became a free agent and signed a four-year, $6 million contract with the Raiders. Heck yeah. Howard was fairly productive with the Raiders, but never came close to matching his stats from the 1996 season. Well, you, you got to have good blockers in that case, and, yeah. and it's the Raiders, so... Yeah. Blocking's not important. Nope. <laughs> Ooh. Eventually, Howard would leave the Raiders after just two seasons. He would sign again with the Packers, but would be cut. He spent the rest of his career with the Detroit Lions. So that one, once again, that's not awful, but just the four-year $6 million... That's a lot for a return man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just a return man? Mm-hmm. Like, because he didn't really play receiver nope. at all. Not anymore. We are moving on to the top half of our list. Number four, wide receiver Dion Branch, Super Bowl 39 MVP. Dion Branch was the second-round draft choice for the New England Patriots in 2002. He started seven of 13 games as a rookie and showed some real promise, but he ended up missing the end of the season with a leg injury. The next year, Branch started 11 of 15 games for the Pats, only missing one to injury. He continued to flourish and posted 143 yards on 10 catches in Super Bowl 38, including a 17-yarder that set up Adam Vinatieri's game-winning field goal against the Panthers. Branch entered his third season as a full-time starter, but suffered a leg injury early in Week 2 that sidelined him for nine weeks. Yeah, this man's lower body is not doing well. Oh, no. Fortunately, Branch was able to return to form that offseason by scoring a 60-yard touchdown against the Steelers in the AFC Championship before making 11 receptions, which tied a Super Bowl record at the time, for 133 yards. His contributions in the Patriots' victory over the Philadelphia Eagles earned him Super Bowl MVP honors. Sorry about it. I'm okay. I mean, T.O. was playing on a broken leg and was putting up numbers, so I feel like... You guys played your heart out. Vindication. This man has broken legs. He can't play. T.O.? No worries. He played. That's why T.O.'s an all-timer. Yeah, he is. In 2005, Branch played 16 games for the first time in his career and coincidentally set career highs. What? (laughs) You're there all the time. You can put up numbers. Uh, he had 78 catches for 998 yards and five touchdowns. Still couldn't break so that glass ceiling. Yard uh, following his career year, Branch was entering the final year of his rookie contract and wanted a new deal. 
The Patriots offered him a three-year extension through the 2009 season. Uh, and the contract would have given Branch an average salary of $3.48 million with a $4 million signing bonus and $4 million option bonuses. Nice. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, especially for someone that's not available all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Branch was displeased with this offer and proceeded to hold out for mandatory minicamp, training camp, and the preseason. Cool. Patriots love that. (laughs) Yeah. At that point, the Patriots gave him permission to seek a trade. And they were like, if you don't want to be here, just find us. Yeah, Yeah, you you have your agent go talk to the people. Both the Seahawks and the Jets made offers. Of course the Jets did. But Branch... always looking. (laughs) They don't care who they're trading with. Uh, Branch was ultimately traded to the Seahawks for a 2007 first-round pick. Subsequently, Seattle gave Branch a contract extension of six years, $39 million. Oh! That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. (laughs) Branch joined Seattle in week three of the 2006 season and started 13 to 14 games. He finished second on the team in receiving with 53 receptions, 725 yards, and four touchdowns. The next year, Branch would start the first five weeks before a foot sprain would sideline him for several weeks. He returned in week 11, only to be sidelined again a few weeks later due to a strained calf. Once again, the lower body. Injuries. In 2008, Branch would miss eight of the first nine games with injuries. Branch would continue to be on and off the field with injury until early in the 2010 season when the Seahawks traded him back to the Patriots for a fourth-round pick. In his first season back with the Pats, Branch made 48 receptions for 706 yards and 5 touchdowns. Stats that are nearly identical and definitely more efficient than his best season with the Seahawks. Sounds about right. Yeah. A little bonus information. Branch was cut and re-signed by the Patriots three times in four months in 2012. They just really wanted him to know what they they (laughs) thought about him. (laughs) Understand. This is what happens when you leave. Get your act together. Number three, should be pretty predictable, quarterback Nick Foles, Super Bowl 52 MVP. Woo! Never heard of him. Well, you're about to. He got a statue. Yeah, that, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get him started. When I first heard, even when we were in the midst of the ecstasy of winning the Super Bowl, when I heard we were building a statue... To Doug Peterson and Nick Foles, I'm like, guys, you know it's going to go wrong poorly. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick don't even have a statue out the side of their stadium. That's because they're classy. Exactly, they act like they've been there before. Oh, <laughs> uh, it, I. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. <sighs> Nick Foles was a third round selection for the Philadelphia Eagles in the 2012 NFL Draft. Nick Foles was drafted as the backup to Michael Vick for head coach Andy Reid's final season in Philadelphia. Foles got his first start after Vick was diagnosed with a concussion midseason and kept the starting job for the rest of the year. Unfortunately, Foles' play was less than spectacular, so new head coach Chip Kelly returned him to a backup role behind Vick the following season. Despite the backup role, Foles saw a lot of action in 2013 while Vick nursed a myriad of injuries. Foles would end up starting 10 games for the Eagles and establish a great season with an NFL record touchdown-interception ratio of 27-2, to and the third-best season QBR QBR of 119, uh, only behind Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's like 2004 season, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I don't know which one Aaron Rodgers was. I can't remember. One of those. Probably 2010. That would make sense. 
Foles also tied an NFL record that season by throwing seven touchdown passes against the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Raiders. <laughs> just targeting them. <laughs> Defense is hard. I Defense picked up Nick Foles hard. the week before in fantasy football just because I needed a flyer, a backup quarterback for a bye week. Did you start him? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. And he still lost. <laughs> Can you imagine? The next year, Foles struggled statistically, partially because Chip Kelly sucks and cut Deshaun Jackson, who was his number one target. Yeah, I, okay. I, I don't want to talk about it, okay. but one of these episodes, we'll I feel like Chip I can't Kelly. do it because yeah. I'm biased, but someone needs to talk about Chip Kelly. And See, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to leave out so much information <laughs> I and just vague things. And then just turn it over to you. I'm so upset. Sean McCoy? Get out of here. Deshaun Jackson? I hate you. Racist tight end? Slash wide receiver? Good with me. Get over here. He was basically tight. He had no business being a wide receiver. He was so slow. That's true. (sighs) That's what made him deceptive. (laughs) (laughs) I can stay up with him. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um... But yeah, full struggled statistically, but was still able to lead the Eagles to a 6-2 and record before ending his season early with a broken collarbone. Uh. Then, in March of 2015, Chip Kelly traded Foles a 2015 fourth and a 2016 second to the St. Louis Rams for Sam Bradford and a 2015 fifth. Heck oh, yeah. yeah! Inexplicable. An inexplicable and unforgivable decision. Breakable Bradford? All reliable. <laughs> Oh, boy. To not be there. Yeah. Foles struggled in his 11 starts with the Rams, posting a record of 4-7 and seven and throwing only 7 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. I mostly blame Fisher for that. I blame Fisher for that. Um, also a bad coach. That offseason, the Rams drafted Jared Goff, which led to Foles demanding and being granted a release. Foles joined former head coach Andy Reid in Kansas City to back up Alex Smith. Foles won his lone start with the Chiefs, but wasn't extended after the season. In 2017, Foles signed a two-year contract with the Eagles to back up Carson Wentz. The Eagles were playing exceptionally well behind the MVP favorite until Wentz tore his ACL in Week 14 of the season. Foles came in and secured the number one playoff seed for the Eagles, though. So, all things good. (laughs) Everything's fine. It's fine. I wasn't nervous at all that postseason. Foles went on to lead the Eagles on a magical run, putting up incredible numbers. Foles became the first player in Super Bowl history to both throw and catch a touchdown pass as he threw for 373 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. His efforts won him Super Bowl MVP honors, as you would imagine. And what's funny is Tom Brady had better numbers. Yeah, yeah but he dropped his pass. He but dropped he did. his yeah, pass. Yeah, yeah that was, I loved that. <laughs> the next year, Foles was relegated to his backup role. Foles would start five games in 2018 and earn a record of 4-1. At the end of the season, Foles voided his option to become a free agent. Foles was eventually signed by Jacksonville um, to a four-year, $88 million contract Ooh. with $50.1 million guaranteed. Ooh. So a whale of a contract. Yep. With a, a lot of guaranteed that's money. That's a quarterback yeah. contract. For a there. career backup. Mm-hmm. I mean, he puts up good numbers when he starts, but a you career backup. Got the right system. Yeah, no. It's basically being the Fisher Rams in Jacksonville. Just don't be them. Yeah. Unfortunately for Jacksonville, Foles would break his clavicle in the first quarter of the first game of the season. Sounds like Jacksonville. Enter Minshew Mania. He wouldn't return until week 11. He would quickly be benched for good in week 13. 
All told, Foles went 0-4 as a starter with the Jags and was traded after his lone season to the Bears for a compensatory 2020 fourth rounder. Foles is now a third-string quarterback for the Bears. He's still on the Bears. Yeah. yeah. No He's still he was uh, in consideration to start last week. <laughs> well, everyone's considered a, a consideration to start uh, for the Bears. Cause yeah, because Matt, Matt Nagy's a mess. I'm pretty sure he just like rolls a dice. With their faces with their on faces it. With their faces on it. <laughs> yep. It was like, yeah. Number two, getting down to it. Safety, Dexter Jackson, Super Bowl 37 MVP. This one's my personal favorite. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Never cool. heard of this guy. Dexter Jackson was the fourth-round pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 1999 NFL Draft. Jackson was a backup in his first two seasons with the Bucs before becoming a full-time starter in 2001. He had a great first year as a starter, amassing 67 tackles, two and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, eight pass defenses, and four interceptions. Okay. Yeah. Good also, fun fact, while I pause, you've never heard of him, and you're about to be really glad you've never heard of him. There's a Steelers tie-in. Uh, huzzah! The next year, the last year of his rookie contract, Jackson had another solid outing. He tallied 71 tackles, a fumble recovery, four pass defenses, and three interceptions. Additionally, Jackson helped the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl against the Oakland Raiders. Sounds safe. Sorry, champ. By securing two interceptions in the first half of the Super Bowl, helping establish a 20-3 halftime lead and earning him Super Bowl MVP honors. After the Super Bowl, Jackson became a free agent and a bidding war ensued between the Arizona Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers had established a verbal agreement with Jackson on a five-year, $12.25 million deal with $2.5 million bonus. That sounds about right. That's not too bad. No, it's not bad at all. But undeterred, the Cardinals proceeded to heap more money on their offer and eventually signed Jackson to a five-year, $14 million contract with a $2.75 million signed bonus. Uh So Jackson, like, verbally told us, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be a Steeler. Then they're like, we'll offer you a little bit more money. He's like, screw you, Pittsburgh. Yeah, and actually he helped you guys, the karma really helped you guys, because the Steelers had intended to draft a running back in the first round of the 2003 draft. But instead, since they missed out on Jackson, they still need to fix their safety issue. So they drafted future Hall of Famer, Troy Palomalu. Yeah! Palomalu. And the rest is history. Never heard of him. You're Was it good or something? I mean, he was no... What's that guy's name? I'm trying to think of a. I'm trying to think of a Ravens safety. Ed Reed. Ah, there it is. Yeah, it's right on the computer. Oh, I knew it. Oh, thank you. He was no Ed Reed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he was, he would have gotten to the Hall of Fame sooner. What was a free safety? What was a strong uh, safety? Yeah. Been at different things. Nah. Nah, they're all, they're both back there. <laughs> he wasn't even Brian Dawkins. Well, no one's That's Brian Dawkins. Brian Dawkins' weapon X. Mm-hmm. We love him. Ah, <laughs> oh, he's insane. <laughs> Go Eagles. Jackson started all 16 games in 2003 for the Cardinals and tallied 89 tackles, a forced fumble, 14 pass defenses, and six interceptions. Once again, he's doing what he's been doing since he's been a starter. Just really solid numbers. Yeah, he's there. Going into the 2004 season, Jackson looked ready to put together another solid season. But he had a lingering back issue that kept him out of training camp and then placed him on the IR. But not full season IR, just... Just that first, like, couple weeks, yeah. As a result, though, the Arizona Cardinals made a surprise release of Jackson. They just cut him. Yep. Oh! Jackson then turned around and signed with Tampa Bay... And then went on to play five more seasons with the Bucks and the Bengals, serving as a dependable starter. 
Huh. And Cardinals were just paying him the whole time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now we come to number one. Number one. Cornerback Larry Brown, Super Bowl 30 MVP. Now this one isn't like very flashy, but okay. it's just like so the numbers of what mm. the other mm. team gets out of it is just so like you can't it's just bad. You yeah. Just can't argue the numbers. Yeah. Larry Brown was the 12th round selection for the Dallas Cowboys in the 1991 NFL Draft. Brown surprised the Cowboys staff with his play and earned himself a starting spot as a rookie. He amassed an impressive 68 tackles, a fumble recovery, and two interceptions in his rookie season. He would be the consistent starter for the Cowboys dynasty in the early 90s, averaging 58 tackles a season with several interceptions over his five-year stint with Dallas, including two pick sixes in his final 1995 season. Nice. Brown's crowning achievement came in the 1995 postseason when he helped the Cowboys defeat the Steelers 27-17 to nice. by recording two interceptions. His uh-huh. effort earned him Super Bowl MVP honors. Dang. Brown was King set King. to become the, a free agent after the Super Bowl and leveraged his award into a massive contract with the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. There they are. He signed a five-year, $12.5 million contract with $3.5 million guaranteed. Apparently, Brown was a bit of a locker room cancer as he was demoted to a backup role by the Raiders and suspended for four weeks due to, quote, conduct detrimental to the team. Heck Which, yeah. can I say, if the Raiders then you are it was bad. pure toxic. Oh, no. <laughs> His time with the Raiders proved to be a massive disappointment as he only started one game out of only 12 games played over two years. Oh, and that's the number. It's just he started he one just, game and only played 12 yep. for two years in a five-year contract. Yikes. And what's funny is actually the Raiders take a really big hit here because um, Larry Brown was actually the Super Bowl MVP right before Desmond Howard was. So the Raiders went back-to-back back. paying out money to the most recent Super Bowl MVP, and both of and them did tried. not work they out. They tried. The 90s. It was a weird time to be in Oakland. No, it's always a weird time to be a Raider. But it's a great time to be a Raider now. It is. Well, not recently. Yeah. In terms not as of Monday. The Chargers? Monday. But, you know, it's tough out there. Yeah, yeah. you have a scary division. <laughs> I'm better than being a Chiefs fan. Always. Always. But, yeah. Uh, that is my ranking. Um, it like is final. It. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There is no shifting. No. Yep. The or eagle, argument. The Egan eagle. The Egan scale of awfulness. It stands supreme. TM. But now that we've discussed several of the worst moves in NFL history, we're going to share our own thoughts and suggestions to those GMs we believe need our amateur help to make their decisions. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Westover, kick us off. Yeah. My guy. So this week. I am addressing Panthers GM Scott Fitterer. Yeah, that's a fun name. Fitterer. The team's doing great. The expectations weren't really high when you acquired Sam Darnold this offseason, but good news, it appears that the same ghosts that haunted him in New York are not in Charlotte. <laughs> Unfortunately, as of what feels like a regular basis, McCaffrey is hurt. Yes. Uh, you have spent a ton of draft picks in this year. I think you're you have your first, mm-hmm. your second, mm-hmm. and then I think the Texans fourth, and then a six and a s- 
made not even a six. That's a perfect combination of picks. I don't know. Yeah, what you're one, talking two, about. somebody else's four, and you're seven. It's yep. the Texans four. <laughs> that is true. No, the Texans four is good. Uh, McCaffrey's expected to miss several weeks. Chuba Hubbard looks fine, but he's only a rookie, and if he gets hurt, what next? It's. I guess it's pronounced because I was listening to the game Chuba. Chuba? And I hate it. So, no, Chuba please Hubba? continue to call it Chuba because Chuba Hubbard is just a better name. Yeah. Chuba Hubba. Really Chuba rolls Hubba. off the tongue. Hubba Dubba Chuba, Chuba Hubba. But, yeah. Chuba Hubbard? But I just, I, I needed uh, to I'm share sorry, that man. and get that off my chest because it really bothered me. Mm. Not your pronunciation, their there pronunciation. Their own pronunciation. <laughs> the way he says his the name way is he wrong. Says his name, it could be bad. I've actually never heard him say his name, so just the announcer could yeah. be wrong. Yeah. Uh, my suggestion is finding a team who has a proven running back stuck too low on the depth chart on his own team. Uh, Marlon Mack is coming off an Achilles nice. injury, but before that he had o- over 1,000 yards. The two years before that had 22 total touchdowns during that time. Uh, you have spent a lot of your mid-round picks and stuff, but I think if you just put the fourth, that's the Texans out there, I think that's enough for what is a fourth-string running back who still has something in the tank and help your offense because you've spent more on your defense. Yeah. I wrote this at like 11. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, an hour later, you traded your future six for freaking Gilmore. Yep. Yeah, I trade. don't think they that even need to trade. use a fourth on no. Marlon no. Mack. Because they're saying there is kind of a similar situation where if they don't find trade partner, I'm pretty sure they're just going to cut him. Yep. They might. Yeah. A lot of that going around. And the- also they're signing, they may be signing Jalen Smith. Like, We'll see. You just take up all the leftovers. Interesting. Unless we get to them first. Josh, <gasps> it is to you. My dear GM this week goes out to Las Vegas Raiders GM Mike Mayock. Woo! Mike, my guy, it's not looking good for you this year. With John Gruden being locked in for the next million years, you're the one on the hot seat. <laughs> Using the 17th overall pick on Alex Leatherwood is not looking great. No. Just like everyone said <laughs> yep. when you took him. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Even though you've got a 3 and one record, there is still some definite room for improvement. I think you guys should go out and sign the recently available free agent, Jalen Smith. Oh. Your linebacker core has improved from last year, but that's not saying much. The bar was... Very. Was the ground. <laughs> you guys gave the, the Justin Herbert some trouble. Uh huh. They did well, their best. They pressured him. Hey, for yeah, some drives. The line was a little weak. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, that was a uh, Cleveland Farrell out there. You know, yeah. uh, he Woo! had uh, one, Josh Allen. He had one tackle for a loss, which was negated by the face mask that he committed on the play. Raiders! Well, that's the best way to get a grip on a player. Yep. Yeah. They have handlebars. They can't slip out, they can't slip out of your grasp. Uh, Smith would be a great addition, addition to the interior linebacker core. And if you can find $7 million to pay Kenyon Drake, I'm sure you can move some money around and sign Smith. I would recommend making any moves you can, because without a winning record this year, this could be goodbye. Yeah, oof. Yeah, if you can pay Kenyon Drake, you can pay anyone. Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. My dear GM goes out to Eric DaCosta of the Baltimore Ravens. Westover, buckle up. You're probably going to hate this. I already, I already do. <laughs> DaCosta, you've had a tough break. Who could have predicted that every running back you have on your roster would die? It's a sad thing, and I should know, because it happened to my fantasy team this season. Also, your rookie wide receivers are injured, and that's also tough. That's a normal, though. Yeah. They're not great at drafting receivers. It's kind of the whole opposites thing with the Steelers. It's weird. Uh, But there's hope. 
months ago it was revealed that Michael Thomas isn't exactly thrilled with the Saints organization. This has kind of fallen by the wayside since he's been inactive, but let's start kindling that fire again since he'll be coming back into play in the next few weeks. Uh, your team is currently 3-1, and one, which, but your division is tough as everyone else is 3-1 and one except the Steelers. Uh, Lamar needs more help if you're going to really compete in this division. Literally anyone. Anyone uh, with hands. Anyone honestly, that could catch the ball consistently. I don't trust their offense so much that I'm like, they're probably going to drop at least one to the Steelers because really your defense is only getting beat up because they're not healthy right now. They're dead. Yeah. Like but everyone in the league. Mm, weeping. A lot of injuries this year. Michael Thomas is a short and medium route god that would fit perfectly with your deep threat receivers and power run game. Plus, if you trade him for now, trade for him now, you might be able to get a better deal than if you were to go after him after he begins dominating again. Because yeah. if he starts being healthy and Jameis Winston and him like go off, like they start actually giving him deep routes because now they have a quarterback that throws deep routes. Throw it more than twenty. And not yards. just six yard slants. Hey, six yard slants. It's effective. Not, at that we'll point, it, it's going. To, the asking price will be way too much. Oh, it'll be a lot. Um. But yeah, that's my pitch. I Go out get Michael Thomas. I knew you would. Well, yeah. But I support you. It's a good move if you're them. Sure. I would suggest you guys do it, but I think you need a quarterback first. Yes. And an O-line. Priority. That one first. An O-line first. Yes. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Ben's design. No, that's true. You guys have some design dink and dunks. Where Ben is just boshing it. Oh, yeah. Although no. the past three years, Ben's been real... He's been, like, good if it's past 10 yards. Anything 10 yards and in... Under? He's, like, it's, five it's, feet it's, off the mark. It's, it's like a shotgun. His, his depth perception is real it's, bad. It's, <laughs> it's also because anything past 10 yards, the ball's in the air long enough for your receivers to adjust yep. to it. Yep. So maybe it it's not... Ben's just bad at throwing all the balls, yep. <laughs> and he needs to so retire. Well, he's 39 shows. and looks and 54. Looks about 59. He's, he's going to play till he's 45. He's the God, no. pit, uh, pitcher Dorian Gray to Tom Brady. You know what? Uh, yes. Okay. I will, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because yep. it's like Ben Roethlisberger is just all the the All gun. the years. Mm-hmm. Oh, fun fact! I didn't mention in this. Mm-hmm. The reason why they, another reason why the Steelers released um, Santonio Holmes is because his legal issues were happening at the same time as and Big Ben's, and Tomlin wanted to make an example for the team, uh, and so he's like, "I can cut Ben or I can cut Holmes." I'm gonna cut uh, Santonio uh, Holmes, <laughs> which ultimately I'd say is a good call. Probably yeah. the right option. That is the pod. If you enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, please remember to give us a like or a follow. Maybe even leave us a review. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. In the words of coaching legend Vince Lombardi, quote, If it doesn't matter who wins or loses, then why do they keep score? Unquote. Huh. Excellent a real thinker. It's very near and dear to my heart. Uh-huh. It's, it's not about winning. I'm like, then why are we here? Then why are we here? It's not about accomplishing the goal we came here to accomplish. <laughs> That's like the Michael Jordan quote. It's about having a good time. It's like the Michael Jordan quote that's like, I had never lost any games, I just ran out of time. <laughs> if you gave me more time, I would have scored more points. If you gave me more time, I'd have to score them, and then we just stop. Yeah, that's the game. That's... Yeah, that's the game, Michael. <laughs> yeah, Michael, it's a game. <laughs> you and Vince Lombardi should hook up. <laughs> what a combo. Oh my god. Thanks for listening, and remember, 
This was mismanaged. Bye.